word for the church um, for our season in history in this moment. So just some, um, some words that I think that are very relevant for today. So uh, about a month ago, we looked at gifts from God that money can't buy. That's chapter 1, verse, the first several verses there. And we looked at then, we looked at the pursuit of holiness. So that's the last part of chapter 1. Last week, Amy and I shared on marriage and it's so that is the first part of chapter three we talked about that so how many agree that my wife is a pretty good speaker and yeah yeah so um it's a little more work for us to you know because it's not just me preparing we have to work on it together but we had a good time doing it and we didn't kill each other in the process so that's a pretty good thing all right so Today we're going to be in the first part of chapter 2, starting in verse 4, going through verse 10. But just quick background, Peter was writing to Christians that are scattered throughout what is now modern-day Turkey, okay? It's called a couple other names there that probably you're not going to really know how to pronounce, maybe. Um, But, you know, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, Galatia, and stuff like that, so... Um, they're scattered because of persecution that began on the day of Pentecost and carried on through much of the Roman Empire. Okay, it was really bad around 70 A.D. and things like that. So they're scattered, um, and he's writing to these Christians that are there. So they're, they're enduring some suffering. It would be easy for them to say, woe is me, right? You're going through suffering, woe is me? Did you know that this last year was one of the worst years for persecution for Christians around the world, uh, especially in Africa and Iran and some of those places? Um, you know, it just it seems like I get an email every week of of people being killed in northern Africa where militants come in and they begin shooting up the village um, and their lives are taken. Um, you don't hear about that on the national news, unfortunately, and I'm not sure why that is. We turn a blind eye to that, but it is happening. Um, there are brothers and sisters in Christ. And, um, you know, if that was happening in our nation, we would be hearing all about it. It's kind of like when we get in a deep freeze here or bad weather, you kind of get a little blip about it, but it hits the East Coast, and it's kind of like it is the worst thing happening ever, right? Um, because that's where all the media is at. So, um, But Peter, I believe, has some very encouraging words for us, and he helps us with perspective. And so we're going to begin in chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it is the living word of God. It is more than words on a page. It is your word to us that speaks to us right here, right now, as we uh, invite your Holy Spirit to come and make it come alive to us, Lord God, and to speak a relevant, powerful word that we need to hear today. We give you the thanks, we give you the praise, and we ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. So let's read this together. It says, as you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, okay, rejected by humans, but chosen. So that's the name of the message, chosen by God and precious to him. You also like living stones. So he's the big living stone and we're many living stones, okay? All right. Are being built into a spiritual house, okay, a sanctuary to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion. So Zion would be Jerusalem. And Zion is used more in that futuristic, um, when Jesus comes again, Zion and Jerusalem. 
I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. All right, so the cornerstone was the foundational stone of any building, especially when we know of the temple. It had that, you had to have the perfect stone. It had to be true. It had to have the right angles because it would set the course for the rest of the building, right? It would be upon that cornerstone that the rest of the building would be built. It had to be true. It had, by true, I mean straight, level, all those good things. So he's quoting from Isaiah 28, 16 there. And whoever trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, it's the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So that's Psalms 118:22. But it's reference to when Jesus came, some people accepted him, right? And then other people rejected him, especially the religious leaders. They rejected this cornerstone. They reject, rejected Jesus as the Messiah. And it also says in verse 8, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. So Paul would say that it was a stumbling block for the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, Jesus was. They stumble because the message, they disobey the message, which is also they were destined for. But you are a chosen, there's that word again. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. And so I want us to look at this. The so first thing you can write in your program there is that Jesus is our cornerstone drawn near to Him. Jesus is our cornerstone drawn near to Him. Jesus is the living stone. He's that cornerstone. He was rejected by the builders, the, which was the Jewish religious leadership. They crucified Him. But now He has become the cornerstone of our faith, the one that we build our life upon. He's that foundation. He's the living stone because He endured rejection and suffering. You ever been rejected? No? I have. I have rejected, right? Right? Suffering, he conquered death, and he became the chief cornerstone upon which we build our lives. He had to be true. He had to be perfect because that's how the temple would be built. But he is the foundation, the living foundation that we build upon, that the church is built upon, okay? So there's a lot of imagery there. Just as the temple was being built, and they had that imagery, so the church is, in that same way, represents that Jesus is the foundation upon which the church is built, all right? And just as God's presence filled the temple, right? God's presence fills this temple, not just this building. There's nothing special about this building. What makes it special is those that are here, and that God's presence is here because we are His temple, right? We are the church. This building is not the church. You are the church. You know, often we say, right, I'm going to go to the church, right? And we meet a building, right? But we're, we're really not being correct there. You are the church. You are God's chosen people. Now, Peter's writing to these Christians that are suffering because of their faith. And instead of living in fear and desperation, they are encouraged to do what? Verse 4, as you come to him the living stone. They're encouraged to draw near to Jesus, to find hope, 
direction, strength during a difficult hour. He is the cornerstone. He's the one that's endured all that before, right? He, he's walked where we have walked. And so we are encouraged to draw near to him to hear his voice. Now, come um, is in the continuous aspect. And that may it's kind of like, okay, whatever. But um, the, the New Living Translation kind of picks up on that. It says, it says, you are coming to Christ. So it catches that aspect that day, we don't come just once. We come day after day, moment by moment. We are coming before God to find the strength and the, pres- and, uh, the hope that we need. We enter his presence and we hear his voice. And I just want to encourage you that our daily times of prayer and reading his words um, must be more than checking a box. Okay, I have to have a list of things that I do, okay? Are you one of those people, a to-do list person, right? I, I understand that and we need that. But our time with God, with prayer and reading God's word must be more than I'm checking the box, folks. It also must be that time where I enter his presence and I hear his voice. Are you following me? Where I'm having fellowship with God. Um, and I feel like this that is very true, especially in times of testing, uncertainty, and chaos. I think COVID and all that we're going through definitely would apply to that. It is then that we have peace, we have direction, we have hope and confidence to live each day with courage, power, and purpose. So when we come into His presence and we get a word from God, so I can be reading God's word and going through the Psalms or whatever, and all of a sudden I get that nugget that speaks to me where I'm at, I have heard his voice and I have direction or purpose or confidence for that day. You following me? You can say amen. Come on, help me. Help me out, Sharon and Aaron. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Yes. All right. Yeah, they have to be coached here. So. All right. All right. Um, Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. So Peter quotes this. He says, so this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay in Zion a tested stone a precious cornerstone for the sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. So he, it's a little bit different from what Peter quotes, right? But they will be, if you build your life, if you come to Jesus, that cornerstone, and you find your hope, your trust, your confidence in Him, it says that you'll never be stricken with panic as we draw to Him. And that may be moment by moment. It may be day by day. Are you following me? But to come to Him... And often we can be, we can have anxiety, we can have difficulties, we can have stress. But then I want you to ask, uh, have I been drawing close to him? Am I drawing near to he, into his presence to hear his voice? Amen? He is the sh- sure and the solid foundation. Number two, you are his temple. Praise him. Amen? You are his temple. Praise him. Jesus said on the way, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, if, the, if you don't praise me, who will? The rocks will cry out. Isn't that kind of funny? And then we're called living stones. You get that? I don't know. Um, he said, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. We are his temple. Praise him. And, and so that ties in with that royal priesthood. We are living stones being built on the chief cornerstone, and together we form a spiritual building, his temple. The temple was a place of worship where his spirit dwelt. And that building was located in the center of the tribes of the people. Okay, he had 12 tribes, and it was to be in the center of the people because that's where God wanted to be dwelling. There's a lot of significance there. He wanted to be in the center of all that they did, just like he wants to be the center of our life and who we do 
who we are, and what we do. There we go. So as the priesthood, what he is speaking to his audience is to offer God praise and thanksgiving. We are the royal priesthood. Now, I don't think Scripture is calling us to go into our backyards and offer sheep and cattle and goats, all right? That's not what he wants us to do. Instead, he wants us to live our lives as a fragrant offering to God, giving him praise, glory, for our salvation and his greatness. This, so this is what Romans 12.1 says. And this, this is in the New Living Translation. I really like how they, how they put it out there. And it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way that we worship God. Amen? So as we live our lives before God and we give Him praise and glory, it is an offering to Him. Now, this had to be difficult for the believers that Peter's writing to. They're going through suffering. I mean, their, their life is maybe on the line at times. Maybe they've lost their home or their possessions. They've left with the clothes on their back to find safe refuge someplace where there wasn't persecution. And they're supposed to praise God. You ever had those bad days? Maybe not quite as bad, but you've had a bad day, right? Is it easy to praise God then? It's a little more difficult, isn't it? But I can guarantee you, as if you praise Him, your feelings will follow. And God's going to bring His peace and His joy even in the midst of that difficulty. And that's what those believers had to discover, to praise God even in the midst of their suffering. And as the church today, if we expect everything to be perfect in our world before we can praise Him, we are totally missing out. We have to be His royal priesthood. We have to praise Him even when things are difficult. Ephesians 2, 19-22. So Paul catches a lot of what Peter is writing here. He says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and are also members of His household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ, and He is the what? The chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together, and he rises to become, it rises to become a holy temple. And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. We are the dwelling place of God. You know what? This building is just a building where God t- intends and wants to dwell Not as in a building. He wants to dwell within you. Each and every one of you. He wants to dwell there. You are the temple of the Spirit of God. Amen? And when He comes and He dwells amongst us, uh, that is the picture we have. You know, when God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden before they sinned, we talked about that in the Bible engagement, uh, small group materials back a couple weeks ago, okay? But before He walked with them in in the cool of the day, He had fellowship with them. You know, isn't that cool? Just walking with God, right? You and God in the garden, right? Just having a time of fellowship. And then sin entered the picture, and they had to leave the garden. So God puts a plan in place. It's even prophesied there in Genesis 3, 15, 14 and 15. Okay, it talks about Christ going to the cross. Why? So that he could deal with sin, so that we could have fellowship with God again. He could dwell amongst us. If you only see salvation as your ticket to heaven... So you don't experience hell. You're going to miss out the reason why Jesus went to the cross. 
Yes, it was for our salvation, but above that, it was so that he could restore the fellowship that we have with him. Amen? The fellowship. We are his temple. I want to take us to Revelation 5. So it's not that very far away from 1 Peter. Just a few pages in my Bible. Revelation 5. So I'm going to just kind of, we're, we're going to fast forward, okay? We're going to go into the future, right? Okay? We're going to see what the future is like, okay? When we get to heaven and we're around the throne of God with Jesus, the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the earth. And it says in chapter 5, verses 9 through 10, and it says that they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seal. So there's revelation there. Because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God. Persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. So by God's sacrifices, he provided salvation for all people. And you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. So there it is there again. We are his royal priesthood. And they will reign with him on earth. And then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands and ten thousands. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is a lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth, wisdom and strength, honor, glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and the sea and all that was in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Be praise, honor, glory and power forever and ever. Amen. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and they worshiped him. Worship is part to be part of our DNA, folks. We are his royal priesthood. It's not something that, this is kind of worship practice for heaven, okay, on Sunday mornings. It is, right? It is practice for heaven when we gather around his throne to worship him and magnify him. Amen. There's a final thing, number three, you are his chosen people to declare him. You are his chosen people, declare him. The Israelites were God's chosen people to declare God's goodness and mercy to the world. Now, I think there was a times where they thought, you know what, Whew, we're pretty cool. We're God's chosen people. You are not. You're Gentiles, man. We're, you know, it kind of went to their head, right? But then we get into the New Testament, right? We see that if you have accepted Christ, you're part of Abraham's seed and you're part of God's promise, right? You're part of God's family. You've been grafted in is what it says, right? You even look at the lineage of Christ, even in the Old Testament, you have Rahab, who was a Gentile and didn't have the best, you know, background check, right? Right? And through things there, right? But she is part of the lineage. Not only is she grafted into the body of Christ, but she's part of the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. Pretty cool. And you had others. You had Ruth and others. They weren't um, Israelites, but they were grafted into the plans of God. So we see that as part of God's plan. But in, in these verses here, especially in verse 9, Peter says, you're a chosen people. So in other words, God has reached out to us and has chosen you. That's important, isn't it? You remember being in line, elementary school, you're in line, picking teams. You want to be chosen, right? You don't want to be the last one chosen. I mean, that's at least you're on the team, but you want to be the what? The first one chosen, right? Because it's just value, value, right? It means, hey, I'm wanted, I'm needed. God has chosen you. You are special to him. He's reached out to you. You're a royal priesthood, he says, so you, we serve God and we offer him praise. We're a holy nation. What does that mean? We've been set apart for his purposes. 
Okay, we've been talking about that, that, uh, that fine china and some of the other messages that we have been set apart. That's what holiness is all about, that we've been, not only that we're, we're doing this, we're not doing that, we're not doing that, we're not doing that. You know, that's what sometimes people think Christianity is. I don't smoke, chew, and hang around people that do, right? Right, you ever heard that? Um, that's not what holiness is. Holiness is about being like Christ and being set apart for His purposes, His noble purposes, a prized vessel that He can work through and dwell within. Number four, that we're also that special possession. It shows ownership. We belong to Him and we are precious to Him. If you're here today, if you're watching online, and you've invited Christ into your life, you are His. You belong to Him. And often we beat ourselves up. We, we, we are very familiar with our shortcomings and the things that we do wrong. And we think, how in the world could God love us, a holy God love us? But He does. So much that He sent His Son to the cross. And we have to get that truth into our not only our head, but our heart. Because until we get into our heart and we believe it with all that we are, we're always going to think that we're we're unwanted or that we're not special to God, that we're somehow not quite good enough. And the danger of that is that you'll never be who God has called you to be. You'll never be that witness for Him. We have to get that into our hearts, that God loves us and that we are His special possession. That's why He went to the cross is for you. And He just didn't love you when you're all cleaned up and perfect. He loved you while you were a sinner. And that is Scripture. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? We are God's chosen people, His special position that He redeemed by His mercy and now we have the honor to declare that message to the world around us, to our families, to our neighbors, to those without hope, the hope of Christ. In a world that is sometimes hostile to its message and its beliefs. You know, that's where we would be like Peter. I don't think they were able to go out and on the street corners and declare Christ, okay? How they shared Christ was in their one-to-one relationships with people that they knew. And people watched their lifestyle and said, there's something different about those people. I want to be, I wonder what they have. And it was through those relationships because they were living in a persecuted state, right? And so their witness was how they lived their life. And somebody, people would say, man, there's something different about them. They have a joy. They have a peace. I don't understand it. And through that, more people came to know Christ. And sometimes even in the very persecution itself, that as people were being killed in the Colosseums, they would see their faith and their joy and their confidence even in the hour of trial. And I said, you know what? I have all the material things. I have power. I have control. I have wealth. I have possessions. But I don't have that. And there are stories of people of status and power that gave up everything so that they could follow Christ. If you go look back at church history. I think in our day and age right now, if you lead with your words and telling people about Christ, it's going to be met with resistance. Do you sense that? If you lead with your lifestyle, with your goodness, your kindness, the smile on your face, your actions, your attitude, if you lead with that, people are going to say, hey, What's different about you? I want what you have. You say, is that really true? Yeah, it is. I have a story about that. I was, I don't know, maybe 12 years old. I was going off for the opening day of fishing season. I stayed with my best friend, Jason, 
on the Cheyenne River. So we went out Friday night, season opened on, it was back in North Dakota, and back in that day they actually had the opening for fishing. So we spent the night, a little pup tent froze to death, I don't know if we got any sleep. We were fished Saturday morning, and, and one of the friends who was in our class, we had, I mean, I only had like 15 kids in my class, so it's it a small community in, in North Dakota. But I remember, I remember to this day that um, I don't think he came from the best home. He got picked on a lot at school, okay? But he just looked at me. He says, Brent, what's different with your life? What do you have? Exact words. And I just went, uh, Scripture says be prepared in and out of season. Live your life in a good way, but have that answer when people ask, okay? I think he serves God now. I, I see him on Facebook. He talks about God. That's an awesome thing. You are his chosen people. Declare him, amen? Especially by how you live your life, your attitude, your words, your actions, because people are watching more than you probably realize. I'm going to have the musicians come. We live in an interesting time. We got Easter coming up in a month, folks. A little over a month. My prayer is that we can have this place full. Um, things are going in the right way. But this is an awesome time to be alive. I don't know if we thought about that last year. But our world is searching right now. People are searching for answers. They're searching for hope. And I believe that God has placed that hope within our hearts and in our lives. And he wants us to be an example to the rest of the world. Maybe even during a time where, at least in the last hundred years, it's probably been more resistant to the gospel message than it ever has been. You can see it in the media, right? You can see it just in our response to how they respond to things that happen in our nation. Um, I still feel like we live in a place in the nation that is, is better than some. But it's an awesome time to be alive because we have a message. We have a hope, a message of hope, redemption, and peace that our world desperately needs. And these last 12 months have been interesting for us. It's about 12 months ago that we started hearing about COVID, isn't it? You know, and I remember watching it on TV and it's kind of like, yeah, it's overseas, but it probably won't affect us much here. And that's what we were kind of all hoping for. And Twelve months later, we're still dealing with it. But this is not a time for us to shrink back. It's a time not to complain. It's not a time to be complacent. It's a time, it's not a time for us to be discouraged. It's a time for us to shine, folks. It's a time for us to shine and to be who He's called us to be. We're the church. We are the people of God, right? And even in when things aren't ideal, that's when we shine the brightest, folks, because it's kind of like, man, I want what they have. There's joy there. There's peace. There's confidence there. I want what they have. Amen? Would you stand this morning? Amen. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. If you don't have that hope this morning, watching online or here with us today, I pray that you can make that your prayer. Let's just pray that prayer together, saying, Dear God, come into my heart and into my life. Forgive me of my sin.
be my Lord and my Savior and walk with me each day. Amen. And Father, this morning I pray for the church, those that have gathered here today and those that have gathered online and, and those that have gathered in other churches across our great nation and around the world, Lord God. May we shine bright for you, Lord God. Each country is dealing with its own situations. And, but God, I pray that your church may burn bright in these days, Lord God. We don't know when you're going to return for your people. We don't know. It could be today. It could be next week. It could be three years from now. hundred years. We don't know. But we know that you have promised you're coming back soon. We must be ready. We have a message. We have a hope to share with the rest of the world to declare your praises because we are your chosen people, your royal priesthood, your holy nation that declare the praises of God. So, Father, I pray you can work in us by your spirit. Lord God, if we don't know your peace, if we don't know your joy, Lord God, I, I pray that we can draw near. That is the encouragement, to draw near, to draw into your presence till we hear that voice, till we sense your presence, Lord God, to know that we've been with you, Lord God. And sometimes maybe it, not, it might not fit into our five or ten minute window that we've set aside for you. It might take longer than that. But Lord God, I pray that we come until we hear from you, Lord God, and we sense your presence and we know that we've been in the presence of God and that we've heard your voice. Lord, we give you the thanks. We give you the praise. We ask it in your name this morning. Amen. We're going to close with that chorus that we sang earlier for the first time. So would you join in, make that your prayer this morning and your song.